The Sports Complex, afternoons 5 to 7 on The Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Friday. It's a 512 Friday edition of the Sports Complex here on the Horn. I'm your host, Patrick Davis. Big, big show for you today. Lots going on. We got Sark talking to the media today. Some good stuff about the preseason polls, physicality, player conditioning, all that coming up in our first break. Uh, Pac-12 reports today they turned down $30 million a team. And where did they end up with that? Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Recap of the Texans game last night. What to look for for the Cowboys game tomorrow. And at 6 o'clock, we will get into talking about the GOAT. At least in my book. The GOAT of coaching. Greg Popovich goes into the Hall of Fame tomorrow along with Tony Parker, Becky Hammond, Pau Gasol, Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, and a bunch of other people. But Greg Popovich, we're going to talk about the genius that is Greg Popovich. And a little bit later... The man who actually is playing on this song right here, who does our intro, is playing a show this weekend, is always playing around town. AD Hernandez from the Heebie-Jeebies from the ADH Project. Going to be part of OE Fest 2023 uh, this Sunday at the Railhouse in Kyle, and he's going to be calling into the show a little bit later on. Remember, you can join the conversation on the Specs text line. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. 512-337-3776 is the number. And uh, if you want to join it on Twitter, you can go in or Instagram at it's Patrick Davis is where you can find me on there. Let's get in to Sark. He talked to the media today. Uh, Texas is about to get into scrimmaging. They're about to get into starting to get some actual contact, actually trying to get out there, having some refs, having actual play calls, trying to figure out. And you're still playing against each other, but we're getting ready. We're basically three weeks out from real football played at the University of Texas. So. They're getting ready, and Sark spoke to the media today. Let's get to Sark and what he said to start things off, uh, kind of talking about where they're at and what is going to be happening this weekend. Last time we spoke was Monday, um, and, and now Friday we've had some, some really quality practices. So how we did it was Monday and Tuesday we kind of did a two-day block of some pretty physical practices on, on those first two days of the week. Wednesday was an off day. Um, we had, a, again, another pretty physical ta- taxing practice on, uh, on Thursday. Today was a little bit lighter, more situational work. And then tomorrow we'll have an opportunity to scrimmage um, where we can really find out kind of where people are at. I think one thing that, that is always you know, challenging, especially for, for players um, and, and coaches for that matter, that we have to be mindful of, the first scrimmage – really gives us an idea of a barometer of where everybody's at. It's not that they're a, they're a finished product at that time. And so I want to get a gauge for where we're at, whether you're a returning player, whether you're a true freshman on offense, on defense, on special teams, where is there, if errors are occurring, where are they occurring? And maybe it's a schematical thing. And so there's a lot of information we can get from the first scrimmage tomorrow so that it gives us an idea of things we need to work on going into next week to get the players prepared to scrimmage in the second scrimmage. The second scrimmage then really starts diving into setting a depth chart with two weeks to go to get ready for that first game. And so uh, we've gathered a lot of information, um, but like I said, coming out of tomorrow, hopefully we, we find out a little bit more of, of just kind of where we're at now on, in all three phases and, and, and from a team mentality as we go. There you go. That is uh, Sark at uh, media availability today, and and one of the things you hear about that most is this is basically we are officially into countdown mode. We are three weeks away from the Rice game, and for Sark to be able to say, "Hey, you know, some guys practice really well. Some guys uh, are, you know, they're, they're practice warriors. They come out and they look great." But as soon as you put them into any type of game situation, they slow down. Now, you can't tell a scrimmage versus real-time game. Those are two completely different worlds, too. So this is not a judging of everything. But to be able to hear some reports coming out of 
the scrimmage that'll start this weekend is you'll start to get more of a viewpoint of okay, this guy is you know especially for freshmen. Uh, how far along is you know Anthony Hill or Jonte Cook or or Lepa or, or any of these guys? You know how much better does Kelvin Banks look this year? Uh, is, is Jonathan Brooks killing it? C.J. Baxter going to play well? All of those things you kind of get to see a little bit of, okay, let's judge the progress because in practice they're doing everything well. They're Because, you know, especially five-star players a lot of times, you're going to see and they're going to take everything in that you give them and, and show back those results in practice. But when the blitz is coming, can they make that reaction? When the defender, and especially in scrimmages, a lot of times the defenders know what you're going to do. So it makes it a little bit harder. Can you get separation in those moments? Can you trick a defender when he thinks he knows what route you're running? All those things are going to be stuff you can kind of figure out to get a a base level, especially on the freshman, but every one of that progress through an offseason that you've been seeing them, and give them that reality check. Just that little bit of a reality check of are you ready to play football at a higher level? Because now we have three weeks. So we've been doing it. We've gotten in our mold. Let's break the tendencies and go into the mold. He was also asked then, well, if you're doing, if you're starting this prep and Rice is your game one, you can't practice for game two. That's, that's how you lose game one is if you start practicing for game two. So let's look at game one. Are you going to start putting stuff in and you know maybe start trying to figure out a game plan for, for Rice? Here's what Sark had to say when he was asked about if he'll be preparing for Rice starting at this first scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, from a staff perspective, we, we've done a lot of work on that game already and, and feel pretty good about it. From a player's perspective, we won't get into that. We, we have time. You know, I, I always fight that. You, give, you start giving them information too early, then it becomes redundant, and then they start missing those nuances. And so we're, we're really focused on what we need to do right now. And there's some things that we'll, we'll use in those first few games that we're practicing now, but the players don't know it yet. Right, the players don't know yet, so that that's all part of the process. So, <laughs> yes, we are we are prepared, and there we're going to put some stuff in. That's maybe week one stuff, maybe some week two stuff, but we're not telling them that it's week one and week two stuff yet, because you no know, week two is you're playing Alabama. So once you say, "Hey, we got to get ready for Alabama," we know that we have to start sticking in some plays just so they're used to them, and maybe just put it in one in week scrimmage one, maybe play it twice in scrimmage two. Maybe get a little bit, maybe one more time in, in scrimmage three as we get closer. But this is, this is not the, the scrimmage of this game is not getting ready for Rice. This is still, this is the closest thing you're going to get to practice. So once we get past, this is what is happening this weekend. You have to start looking at, okay, let's go back and figure out what the team is, how ready are they to be at this point in the season. And, and one of the parts uh, Sark talked about, was the physicality at camp. And someone asked him if this season was a little bit harder because of the, the, uh, because of the weather, because of the heat here in Austin, if this team was is a little bit, maybe a little bit tougher, if the physicality's been a bit more because it's been hot and you were trying to get out. And, you know, even if you're practicing in the bubble, even if you're doing stuff inside, just walking from place to place, you're going to break a sweat. And if it break a sweat, it kind of puts you in a different mindset. And so even if you're just walking to where you're going – and, you know, your body temperature rises, it may get you in a mood where you're ready to hit somebody a little bit harder and make that move a little bit harder. Here's Stark talking about the physicality at camp this year versus other years. Um, we've – it's probably been a, a little bit more physical than we've had historically. I think the depth has helped us where, you know, I, I've I, the last couple of years there's been times I've been so concerned and I don't want to get anybody hurt um, because – if something happens to this guy behind him, it's scary, right? Right now, I feel um, we've, we've got a really quality uh, you know, quality depth on our team. And you know, we're going ones, twos, and threes. And geez, the, the, sometimes the three might be a better player athletically than the one. But the one's knowledge base is so strong. But the drop-off isn't, isn't as significant. So in turn, what's happened is we've been physical We've had a, we've had a few more live periods than we probably normally would have, but what's what's unique is oddly enough we've had less injuries, <laughs> you know. So you know, knock on wood, it's it's been really positive. So um, I, I I think it has been a little bit more physical that way, and it's been competitive. But also, I think everybody's playing at a higher level because they know the depth is there. On that note, Savion Red is the one guy right now that is uh, that is down for us. He got a sprained shoulder, so. I think he'll be down here for a couple weeks. 
So a little update there on Savion Red. I will give you, uh, this is something that I don't know, I don't remember when I learned this, but it is something for you to know about knocking on wood because I still do it. You need to knock on wood after whatever you say. So you can't say knock on wood and then say the thing you do because the apparent myth of where knock on wood started was that people believed that whatever group that invented this believed that there was wood sprites and they would make it a mission when you said that you were hoping for something or that you needed this or whatever, they would make it their mission to ruin it uh, if you said that thing. And the reason you would knock on wood was then to uh, jar their memory, basically give the wood sprite CTE, uh, give them brain damage. That is what apparently knock on wood comes from. That is what I've read and just a tidbit for you on a Friday. So when you say knock on wood, you need to knock on wood after whatever you say. Don't say knock on wood, knock on it, and then do it, because they're still going to remember what you said, the wood sprites, and ruin your life. You have to do it afterwards to get these wood, just stuff for you to learn on a Friday. But it is interesting to hear him say the physicality. This is one of the many statements he's made that puts you further on to the, the depth of this team and puts you on to realizing what Sark feels how he feels differently, and it's not just talk about, hey, man, this roster is ready to go. This roster feels like a team that can go compete at a high level because the talk of it is, hey, we still have to sit our players. Hey, we still don't want to push them in training camp because I know I don't have that next tight end. I know I don't have that next lineman. I know I don't have that next uh, defensive back. But if you start to feel, okay, you know, we got some guys, and, you know, if they're out of game or whatever, and we know we beat them up and rough them up, like Savion Red going down. Savion Red, I think, is going to be used uh, in a lot of interesting formations. They may be trying to get him somewhat in a position like Keelan Robinson is of a back that can do multiple things. And, and in that phrase that Sark still doesn't use in positionless football, that's where Savion Red. So you are using him in different looks. And, you know, he goes down, but you say, all right, we still have – Keelan Robinson. We still have plenty of guys who can go out there and make plays, so we don't need that right away. But you still want to have that physicality and practice to get you ready. So when you do go to Alabama early in a season, and you know Nick Saban's got depth, except the quarterback. <laughs> Other than a quarterback, Nick Saban's got depth. And if you want to say they're going to come out there and they're going to play with a physicality because Nick Saban's pissed off that they had to kick a field goal to win last year. He doesn't, he doesn't like that people are, you know, that Georgia has won two straight championships and he's not the big dog anymore. So he's going to come and try and prove a point against Texas and they're going to hit. They took out two quarterbacks last year, Alabama did. So you want that physicality at Texas' camp to step up to another level because they did beat the crap out of us last year. They set Texas back four or five weeks because of the physicality of Alabama in that game. So you need to have the physicality in practice so that you are ready. When you play instruments, you need to build calluses on your finger. When you don't and you have to go play and someone goes, hey, can you do a three-hour set? And you're used to only practicing 30 minutes a day. You practice 30 minutes and you want to play three hours, you're going to be bleeding down your instrument, whether you play drums or guitar or bass or whatever. You're going to be bleeding. That's what happens if you don't practice at a high enough level. When that hit comes and it rattles you, you're going to be on your back foot instead of the front foot. You're not going to be pushing this as hard. So you need, you need that physicality to be there. Another part of the physicality is the conditioning. And another part of Sark on his plan, where he's talked about year one to year three, he talked about the players' conditioning and how we keep hearing stories about guys reaching their fitness goals, reaching their goal. You know, we had the quarterback shirtless picture, the quarterback thirst trap picture they posted. We had that. And so here's Sark talking about the players' conditioning at media availability today. Well, I think, one, everybody's different, right? We got some guys that are trying to lose weight. We got some guys that are trying to gain weight. We got some guys that are trying to lose body fat. We got some guys that we actually want a little more body fat on, you know, and it's not, in my opinion, very healthy to be like 4% body fat, right? That's, you're, you're, you're opening yourself up to soft tissue things. So everybody's different. I mean, I wish I was 4% body fat. <laughs> Clearly I'm not, but point being, everybody's different. And when, when, when they realize that we have all of these resources at our disposal, we're trying to do everything in our power to put them in the best position to be successful. And if, they will follow our lead, they will see change. 
naturally what happens with, with players, especially in the locker room, when one guy see, sees change and another guy that kind of looks like him, how did you do that? What did you do? And they start to follow suit. So it's been a little bit of a cycle of guys that have bought in to another level, um, whether it's been eating, you know, their eating habits, whether it's been their recovery habits. Well, uh, you know, it's when Jay Witt all of a sudden is the first guy in the building every day and you tell a DeAndre Moore, I want you to try to emulate what Jordan Whittington does. Guess who starts coming in earlier in the morning? Right. DeAndre Moore. So th- those types of examples, right, uh, make sense. And then all of a sudden now you're getting into the mindful mindfulness stuff and and working with sports psychologists and getting yourself mentally in the right frame of mind. And all of a sudden when uh, Xavier Worthy or a JT Sanders or a Quinn Ewers take that really important. Well, if I'm a younger player and I want to I want to play really good, maybe I'm supposed to go do that. So I think that I think that cycle has started for us. I think it started this offseason. Uh, but it's continued to build in training camp as well. There you go. There you go. It's the the team being able to inspire the team. When you're starting to have players looking up to the players on this Texas roster, and it's not a feeling that I feel like it was a few years ago when Sark came in and there were Sark guys and then there was everybody else, and everybody was vying for that position. You didn't have the feeling of I'm rooting for him because we all want to win. We all want to win versus, no, I need to be the starter. I need to get in there. I'm doing better than you. No, you're looking at the other guy and go, all right, you tell me how you did it, and we can improve together. Let's make the best team possible. And it seems like that culture is starting to build at Texas more and more from more stories you hear off the 40 acres versus everyone competing for the spot versus a little bit more toxic of a culture of not trusting the person next to you, which is very important when you talk about going into a game where if someone misses a block, that could be the end of your season. When you talk about you need to put that extra effort in to sit in the pocket as a quarterback and put the ball downfield and may have to take a bad hit, and you may need to know, hey, man, if I get winded, I can come out of this game for a play and let the next guy come in. All of that, and I know you don't want to, But all that is what you need. You need everybody to be on the same page of trying to be the best they can be. So you want competition. You need that. Competition is good. But you want it to be friendly competition within your team and not somebody not believing that the person in front of them has earned their spot. You don't want it that everybody's – you want to be worried that your spot is not safe. But you don't want to be worried that someone's going behind your back and trying to do it. And you're not working together. And you don't want the person behind you – to be going to the gym every day and not telling you and then coming back and putting on 25 pounds of muscle, you want everybody on that your D-line to have an extra 25 pounds of muscle. You don't want one guy because that's how you build a winning team and that's how you build depth. Sark also was asked about preseason polls. We know the coaches poll came out, Texas gets ranked, and he was asked if this becomes an issue uh, for Sark and what he feels about preseason polls. Not really. You know, I, I use it both ways um, like I have this year. You know, I can, like I said, I can, I can put up a slide in a team meeting and I can have five articles with, with headlines of how great we're supposed to be this fall. And then right next to it, I can have a headline of five articles of, you know, we're going to stink and we're Texas and they're going to blow it again. So I, I can I can do both. And that's kind of what I do um, because it really doesn't matter. Right. That, that's that's what I, the, that's the what I'm trying to get across to the players. What other people think of us really is irrelevant. What we do on the field on Saturdays is what ultimately matters and the way we play. And so that's the point I try to get across to. Um, I'm always fascinated by preseason polls, you know, that that guys can can predict how good a team's going to be, but yet never see him practice and, and never see him play yet. Now I get after the first few games, we start to get an idea, but preseason polls are interesting. But, but I also, I will say this, I love preseason polls as a fan of college football, because it gives us, gives us as, as fans of the game, something to talk about, something to read about, something to write about. Uh, that It just, it, that's the beauty of it, man. I, I remember as a kid, I couldn't wait for the Sports Illustrated article, right, with the with their preseason number one on the cover in the top twenty five, and uh, and and reading about every team. And so, 
the, the, the preseason polls are synonymous with college football, and I, and I love that side of it. But I also know being in the, being in the fire right now, it really doesn't matter, right? What we do ultimately is what, what matters. I love Sark midway through that question, midway through that answer, seemed to realize that he didn't want to piss off everybody in the media. When I, we don't care about polls. Also, don't rank us that low. Don't, hey, just, no, they're good. There's good. You guys, I, I agree with him, though. You know, preseason polls are kind of a guess. You know, you say, well, your track record shows this. And the reason why Texas is not higher and not a top 10 team is because of their track record. Because they haven't shown up in big games. And they've, they've lost too many games late in the game. And if you say, well, your track record tells me you're going to drop three games this year that you shouldn't. You're going to drop one you should and two you shouldn't. That's what my, your track record tells me. So you have to go out there and prove me wrong. That's what the preseason poll is. I agree with them. They're usually pretty silly. They're, they're usually, you know, there's always teams that are vastly overranked. There's teams that'll get, they'll give them a shot at the end. They'll put them at 23, and then that team wins four games that season. That, that always happens. So it is something you don't have to worry about. He also says in there that no one had even mentioned it the day it came out. He didn't find out. He didn't even see the poll until the next day. So it's not, it does not seem to be a distraction. But, yeah, you can use it however you need to use it. You have to get that motivation. He's learned from some great guys in Pete Carroll and Nick Saban. To, to always make yourself seem like you're the underdog, always make it seem like you're the the team that no one believes in, even if you are. And and you can find anybody talking smack, hey, man, they've ranked us this low. Can you believe it? Let's go win a game. Let's go prove them. Let's go put up a 70 spot against Rice. One more interesting thing. He talked about, of course, Texas gets the recruitment of Colin Simmons yesterday, huge five uh, five-star defensive end, number one defensive end in the 2024 class. Someone asked him about, and no particular person, but asked him, hey, how much, uh, how is it trying to keep recruiting a guy once he commits, but he hasn't signed? How is that? What's the process? And is it harder to recruit a guy that you've already committed, that's already committed? How is it? Well, I think, you know, naturally, I always joke when they commit to you, you have to recruit him harder um, because. When a young man is down to three, four, five schools, everybody's recruiting the kid, and they're not really sure who they're recruiting against, right? Because you're, everybody's jockeying for a position. The moment the young man commits to you, now the target's on you. All those other three schools, now they know who they're recruiting against. And so you have to understand kind of and in, 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 in get ahead of what are the, you know, I hate to say it, people negative recruit. You know, we, we try not to. I don't, and I make that very clear with the kids that, that we recruit. I talk about our program, not other schools. But inevitably, people are going to negative recruit. And so what are they going to say? And then you try to get in front of it. And oddly enough, the kids kind of chuckle. They'll call me and say, hey, coach, you know, Joe from X University said exactly what you said. And he laughed. Well, what am I trying to do there? I'm trying to forge a relationship with these guys that they can trust me. And that's how you do it. You, we, we just try to keep pouring into the relationship. We try to keep developing trust um, to where they feel like, you know, this is, this is their home. That's my coach. Um, I, can, I can count on him. I can trust him. I trust Sarkin recruiting. I trust Sarkin recruiting. But at the end of the day, just win, baby. You win games, you're, it's real easy to keep recruits if you win. It's real, real easy to keep recruits if you win. You start losing games, that's when, you know, hey, man, well, LSU, they, they're not losing. Or Miami's not losing. And you guys are losing? You're losing? You lost a game to Oklahoma State? Oh, I don't know if I want to go play there. I, I don't know if I'm going to be the one to bring them back if they're that far away. So you just got to keep winning. Speaking of someone who is not winning, little Pac-12 news uh, report came out today that ESPN, so we've been covering all week, ESPN uh, reported today, I believe multiple sources reported today, that uh, there was apparently an offer on the table in 2022 from ESPN to the Pac-12 for a deal that it basically gave every team $30 million a season. That was the deal. $30 million per, per school per season. Uh, that's roughly, it's lower than the Big 12 is right now, which the Big 12 is going to be closer to that because they just added a bunch of new teams. Uh, the SEC is closer to, I think, 48, 49 million. Uh, the, pack, the Big Ten is in that 45 something range. So 
there, there are these schools that are a lot more. Now, the, SC, the ACC is around that, and they'll lose more money if uh, if they add in Stanford and Cal. But they Pac-12 says, oh, no, we don't see that. We're not valued. Apparently, George Klyovkov, according to reports, comes back and says, no, we don't want your $30 million. We want $50 million. And ESPN said goodbye. And all I could think was old George Klyovkov sounded a lot like George Seinfeld. 13000 13000 A piece? No, for both. That's insulting. Ted Danson makes $800,000 an episode. Oh, would you stop with the Ted Danson? Well, he does. You're nuts. I'm sorry. I can't live knowing that Ted Danson makes that much more than me. <laughs> Who's he? He's somebody. What about me? You're nobody. Why him? Why not me? He's good. You're not. I'm better than him. You're worse. <laughs> much, much worse. <laughs> There you go, Pac-12. You're worse. Much, much worse. That is what he has been told to George Klyovkov when he said, no, why does the SEC make $49 million per school per year? We want more than that. Why not me? Why Ted Danson? Why the SEC? And it ended up blowing up in his face. The Pac-12 is now dead for all intents and purposes because of George Klyovkov trying to pull a George Costanza. Whew, man, that story gets funnier every day. Dad, George Klyovkov. And people are, people were like, yeah, no, we, we heard about this and it seemed stupid at the time to pass it up, but uh, that's, uh, that's good old George for you. Let's get over to Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Yesterday we asked you the uh, worst uh, – we asked you which quarterback – will have the worst preseason. Rookie quarterback will have the worst preseason. Uh, the votes came in as C.J. Stroud. I feel like that is mostly based off of what happened in game one, which we'll get into in the next segment. Uh, look, the other guys may be worse. Who knows? C.J. Stroud barely played. He may be worse. But let's get today's Patrick's Big Fat Poll. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day on the horn. We're going to talk about him in the 6 o'clock hour, but... Greg Popovich goes in the Hall of Fame on Saturday, and I want to ask you, I know who my vote is for, but I'm going to ask you guys, who is the greatest coach in NBA history? And I have four listed, but you may disagree. So I want you to give me your four greatest coaches and who your greatest coach is. Greg Popovich, Red Auerbach, Phil Jackson, Pat Riley is who I have on my Mount Rushmore of NBA coaches. Is one of those not there? Tell me on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. Tell me there, 512-337-3776. Who is the greatest coach in NBA history? Am I missing one? Is there another one other than Popovich, Red Auerbach, Phil Jackson, Pat Riley? Is, are we there? Is Greg Popovich the GOAT now? Or do you still think it's Phil? Do you still think it's Red? Do you still think that it's Pat Riley? Let me know. When we come back, we will talk some NFL. We will get into the uh, recap of what happened with the Texans. We will talk about what to look forward for the, the Cowboys game tomorrow. And we'll move along here on the Sports Complex on the Horn, 101.9 AM 1260 on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. The Sports Complex, afternoons 5 to 7. Woo! Hell yeah! On the Horn. Here it comes, it's another one that's bought by the large one. Hard one, just a little more than you bargain. Stand strong, not alone in the rat race. Can a brother get a little space? You're on top of all the power advice. And everybody's stuffed out. I'll tell you what, but you won't hear me out. When I get you open, I'm hoping for a little praise. G, too many Welcome back to the Sports Complex. Here on the horn, it is a 512 Friday. Playing some songs from here in the 512. And this is a great MC overlord. Look, can you hear me? Uh, we will be doing the annual show to celebrate the life and legacy of MC Overlord. We lost him a few years ago. We do a show every year to celebrate him. It's called LB Fest. We are going to be doing it down at the Rail House in Kyle this Sunday, August 13th. Uh, it's going to be a fun show with a lot of great acts. And uh, a band doing an, uh, uh, a tribute, a kind of a jam, and bringing up some MCs and uh, doing some of Ovi's tracks. So it's going to be a lot of fun. A.D. Hernandez from... The heebie-jeebies ADH project is actually 
uh, going to be running that jam, and he's going to be calling in the show a little bit later to talk about it, talk about uh, his love of the Pittsburgh Steelers, too. So if you want to have some hate for him, you can hit us up on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776, and uh, chime in on our uh, poll of the day, who is the greatest coach in NBA history. Uh, we've already got some love for Chuck Daly. We'll get more into that uh, when we get into the next segment. But uh, 512-337-3776, who is the greatest coach in NBA history is our poll of the day. Texans played last night against the Patriots, and there were some positives. There were some negatives. That defense, defense looked real. Defense looked real. C.J. Stroud, not so much. C.J. Stroud, and I'll give him credit. Look, C.J. Stroud, his line, his amount of play, he threw four passes. He goes two for four for 13 yards. Throws an interception. Takes a sack. Bad sack. Doesn't look really great. So for C.J. Stroud, we see that this is a problem of this, the, game, the speed of the game. And it just seemed like everything for him, he, threw that, he throws that first pass out, hit Nico Collins, and you say, okay, he's going to nail it. But even he, after the game, talked about his interception and, and basically – him trying to put together why he threw that interception. We know that he, after the interception, it's he says, basically, I want to go back in the game. I, I know I've sucked. Coach put me back in. He goes, man, it's preseason. You're only supposed to play this much, and that's how much you're going to play. We're going to learn on it and grow on it, and you'll come back. Here's C.J. Stroud, though, after the game, talking about his interception and uh, what he feels he should have done better. Just keep, trust my eyes. Um, I've seen a certain look to where – um, I knew uh, in film that they could run that to where the safety, if his man blocks, that he'll come off and uh, really be locked into my eyes and um, just lost lost track of that and um, just forced it. Should have just checked it down to, to Dalton, but um, it was a great play by two by kind of just hiding out. Uh, he kind of was ducking low, so I didn't really see him. Thought I threw a good pass, but um, of course it wasn't. So uh had a play by number two and just put that in my back pocket and learn from it. So. Thought I threw a good pass, but of course it wasn't. Uh, yeah, I think this is one that he's going to have to go back and watch the film on, go to it a little bit more emphasis on, and, and just see and see why he couldn't make the read when he gets sacked on the plays that didn't work out. The speed of the game. It, it's the, one of the biggest things for any rookie quarterback. We'll see it with Anthony Richardson. We will see it with Bryce Young. We will see it with uh, with Will Levis. All of them. will have. And, and for Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, I think it'll be a little bit worse uh, playing the Big Ten and playing in the – in the SEC, and the SEC especially, because the Big Ten, there are a lot of guys that are very physical and pushing, but is some of these schools, Ohio State is not, but if your main rival is in Michigan, Michigan is not necessarily, now they're producing a lot of NFL talent, but I don't know if their speed of the game always is at the same as, as an NFL team, where there's a lot more twitchy guys when you get into a Georgia and an Alabama. So Bryce Young it may be the guy who's the closest to NFL speed, we'll see when he when he comes out and has his debut. But I, I, look, I'm not as worried about CJ Stroud. You you know you would have loved like the the, the unrealistic 15 percent chance is that CJ Stroud comes out, completes four passes, goes three for four, four for five, gets a touchdown, walks off the field, goes into the sits down and goes, all right, I don't play again in the preseason. I'm ready. The odds of that happening. We're not great. It wasn't like C.J. Stroud was the automatic number one or number two. Bryce Young as well. So there's no one in this draft that you go, oh, no, that guy's ready. Now, Caleb Williams next year, that's going to be the expectation. Will he be able to do it? I don't know. I doubt it. Just really, really hard. Just really hard to get used to the speed of the game. And when you're working with an, uh, a rookie offensive coordinator as well who's never called plays before and Bobby Slowick, it's just going to take a little bit of time for him to get it all down. But I'm not worried about it. Now, when we look on the other side of it, and who was the standout performer? Who is somebody that you can say, okay, okay, I want to see what he can do this season? We talked about the wide receiver core. Here's Mike Garofalo talking about who he thought stood out on Good Morning Football this morning. For the 2023 NFL season, when someone says to you, I want you to meet my friend Tank, mm. you're thinking six foot five, 270 <laughs> pounds. Biceps. Somebody who looks shirt. like Deuce Gruden. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah, goatee maybe, sure. shaved head. Yeah. That's tank. Tribal tat. No, 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 no. 
That's Nathaniel. My man oh. Tank, five foot eight, 165 pounds, but he plays a lot bigger than that. My man Tank came right out of the gate last night with five catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown that I pray to God we are going to see right here. Yes, we are. I mean, listen, it's about the circus catch here and all that kind That's of stuff. That's great. Cool. Keeps his foot in bounds. Uh, that was a touchdown, by the way, because one knee equals two feet, one butt. Equals That's a touchdown. Two feet. Yeah. Uh, but listen, it was the separation. It was the fact that he was finding space. If you watched him at all at Houston, go ask Clayton Toon, the quarterback for the Cougars, how many times he found Nathaniel Tank, whatever you want to call him, just standing there wide open with nobody around him because he's able to find, he understands coverages, finds the open spots, and he also creates that separation with that release that we just saw right yeah. there. Tank. Big old tank who should have arrived at training camp in a tank to announce his presence. Mm. Announce his presence yeah. on the field last night. Tank Dell, from what we hear in training camp, is the guy makes space. The guy gets open. And man, if you're a rookie quarterback, that's a fun thing to hear. A guy who gets open, a guy that you're not worried about. Now, if he's if you're his size, you got to get open because you're not winning fifty fifty balls. You're the same size, if not smaller, than some of these DBs. So you're not going up and jumping over. A lot of these DBs, a lot of these guys are going to be bigger than you. You're going to have to go, you're going to have to get space. But apparently Tank Dell is doing that great. So now, are you able to make those catches? Now, the catch he made was great. But you've got to come down with that in regular time and just get that regular catch, and we don't have to do the fun highlight reel play. But this, it's first game. First game of a guy who, you know, played in Houston, played at Houston, is now playing for Houston. It's very fun, and it's you hope to see Tank Dell step up for the Houston Texans this year and become C.J. Stroud's guy. Now, you want John Meche to be there. You want Nico Collins to step up. But I don't know if anybody believes Nico Collins' ceiling is really at, at a huge level. Where you think of Nico Collins, you go, okay, could this guy be somebody that's a slot receiver that is the, the slot receiver? Could he, could he get up to Julian Edelman range of a guy who gets space and he's not necessarily – the craziest player, like he's not ever going to be Randy Moss, but could he still be, you know, a great player for your team and somebody that has a connection with your quarterback that maybe you kind of rotate and flip around and bring in some other number ones and deep threats and all that other stuff, or you get a John Maitre who becomes that? I, I don't know. I, I think there's there's hope for Tank Dell. If you want to take one thing out of the preseason game, Tank Dell offensively. It's Tank Dell. Another one I'll tell you is Juice Scruggs played well. We talked about that yesterday, that Juice Scruggs – needs to play at a high level to prove that he is ready to be on the field. He looked like he is ready to be a starting center in the league. He's not perfect. He's not giving he's not pancaking everybody. It's not he's not there yet. But where he's at already, not making mental mistakes, having his footwork where it needs to be, making the double teams when he needs to make them, making the right reads on a lot of things tells me Juice Scruggs is where he needs to be. So I'm happy about that. And then finally, that defense played a hell of a lot better than I thought they were going to look. Knowing what D'Amico Ryans was trying to put in there and teach them over the offseason to bring to a young defense, to bring to a defense that has not learned this. And, you know, you bring in a couple guys from San Francisco to help out, sure. But you expect I expected to see much more lapses in, in defense and guys being in the wrong place and guys not even necessarily not being able to wrap up or tackle and not anything like that, but not being – from basically beginning to end, pretty well positioned and pretty well knowing the playbook and doing what they need to do. Will Anderson looked good. He got in and got some pressure. So, you know, once you get to the regular season, you start to play. You know, Mac Jones was not in. Blaine Zappi played the whole game. This is a new Bill O'Brien offense for that, that Patriots team. So there is, it's not like you're doing this world beaters against a great team. But that being said, you want to see progress. You want to see things. And seeing that the defense, which was one of the strengths of the Texans last year when they didn't have many strengths, they still looked really good in the first preseason game. So something you can take out of that is D'Amico Ryans seems to have this defense believing in it, and we'll see in the next two preseason games if they continue to believe in it. As for the Cowboys, they play their first preseason game tomorrow. It is going to be uh, a different kind of look because the Texans – you know, you, you're a team with the number two pick. You have a ton of young guys playing. You know, the Cowboys have a little bit more of, look, our, our goal is not to be a good regular season team. Our goal is to win in the playoffs. So the preseason is a very different look for the Cowboys as they take on uh, 
as they take on their game on Saturday. They take on the Jaguars Saturday afternoon, 4 o'clock. So we'll give you a couple things to look for when you go on and you play the Jaguars. A couple things. Our ATX Jags fan is ready for this game. I, I can give you something to look for uh, if you're watching the Cowboys, though. Uh, I'll tell you a couple things. Keep on your Just keep on your radar while you're watching the game on Saturday. First off, Mozzie Smith. Now, we don't know how much he's going to play. Uh, he did miss a practice, I believe, on Wednesday uh, with some knee. They were just looking at knee tendonitis. So he may not play a lot. Hopefully he gets into the game and plays. But seeing how he can eat up an O-line, seeing how much kind of havoc can create, because we're not really going to see Micah Parsons. We're not going to see, you know, Lawrence. We're not going to see necessarily the best pass rushers. But is Mozzie Smith going to be able to go in there and eat up some of this coverage, take away double-team possibilities for some of the edge rushers for the Cowboys? That's number one thing to watch. Your number one pick, let's see what he can go out there and do. It's going to be – I don't expect any sacks. You don't want to see anything. You want to see how many offensive linemen are getting in his way and is, are they moving backwards or is he moving backwards. That's pretty much it. And see if he can wrap up when they try and run up the middle. That's it. Not a ton, but you want to see how strong he can be and his footwork on that, on that D-line. Jalen Tolbert. This is a make it or break it year for Jalen Tolbert. Wide receiver. We know we're not going to see a lot of Brandon Cooks or CeeDee Lamb. We may not see any of them. So Jalen Tolbert is going to get his time to shine out there. Can he go out and make a name for himself, make himself earn that roster? Can he get on the field this year? And is he worth keeping around in Dallas? Let's see if Jalen Tolbert can make himself get in a fight for that fourth spot. Can he get into a fight for some playing time if Michael Gallup is not playing well? Can he get in that fight? Can Jalen Tolbert do that and be worth the project? Can he show that progress? The O-line as a whole. You want to see the O-line as a whole, what they look like. No Zach Martin. We know there's injuries. Terrence Steele's coming back off the injury. Tyler Biotish had the injury uh, to his ankle. I would assume he's probably not even playing. If he is, he's going to play a little bit. Uh, Tyrant Smith, I would assume, is not playing. Tyler Smith, all reports look good in camp, not doing anything spectacular, but also no one's really getting past him. So, But seeing how this O-line and all the backups, how this O-line is able to protect whoever is behind the O-line is going to be a big question. And then we go over to the running backs. Are they able to pass protect? So if we got the O-line breaking down, are these running backs able to pass protect? We know Deuce Vaughn is going to be able to run the ball. We know he can do that. He's got that innate ability to do it. All the pictures, go to Aaron Hogan's Twitter. Aaron Hogan will posted a picture earlier today uh, of Deuce Vaughn at practice. And everything you see of Deuce Vaughn in practice, man, he looks small. And when you see that, you go, I don't mind about that in run, about a running back. I mind that in pass protection for a running back. So between him, Rico Doddle, Malik Davis, how those guys are able to pass protect is a little bit more than I care about of them running. Because I know they can run the ball okay in preseason. That's not really my concern. It's how do they pass protect in preseason. That is what I'm looking for from the running backs. And Devontae Turpin, Turpin, does he play at the running back position? Does he play at the wide receiver position? I don't know if you can carry a special team, a return specialist anymore. He needs to be involved somewhere else. If he's got this deal and he's supposed to be the guy, you got to find a place for him. Or maybe it's a roster spot you need to give to a running back because you just don't know what you have there this year. DeMarvion Overshawn is another guy you're going to have to look at. This is the one for every Texas fan here. We want to watch DeMarvion Overshawn. We want to see what this guy can do once he gets his time to shine. Once he's going, we want to see what DeMarvion Overshawn can do. Can he get on there? Can he go make a hit on whoever is playing backup quarterback for the Jaguars? I'm sure ATX Jags fan can tell me on the Twitter, on the Specs text line, who is who the backup is that DeMarvion Overshawn is going to be trying to tackle. Can DeMarvion Overshawn make that? And that is the question for Devarion and Overshawn. If he gets in that game, can he make a big play? Can he get a highlight reel tackle or a highlight reel sack and kind of showcase what he can do to get in some real plays and get in a little bit of that Dan Quinn rotation? And finally, the one, the last thing you're going to watch and the thing you hate to watch as a Cowboys fan, but you have to watch it every year because Jerry Jones builds his team based on hope too often, Brandon Aubrey. They get rid of their other kicker. Brandon Aubrey is your kicker for the Cowboys right now. This is it. This is the chance. Brandon Aubrey, you better hit every extra point, every field goal, because if you miss one, all of Dallas is coming for you. No no mistakes. 
you got to hit everything, Brandon Aubrey. Jerry Jones is is basing you, basing the whole team's hopes on you, Brandon Aubrey. Go make that happen. When we come back, we'll answer, we'll get some of your answers on the big fat poll of the day. Who is the greatest coach in NBA history? We've got a couple different names going up there right now. We'll give you all that on the Specs Text Line. Anything else you got for us, we'll be giving a listener recap. Specs Text Line recap. 512-337-3776. We'll be hitting that up. We come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons on the Horn. Back on the sports complex here on the horn. Little White Miler there for you on a 512 Friday. They're playing all over town, getting it going. Uh, but they're also part of Ovi Fest happening this Sunday at the Rail House. And Kyle kicking off the show. All sorts of music happening at the Rail, the Rail House on Sunday with Ovi Fest. You know, we got hip hop, got some funk and some soul and some country. Or, well, not country, singer songwriter, I'll say. Singer songwriter. And some rock and roll there with White Miler. All happening Sunday at the Rail House. And Kyle, all the information is up on my socials. You can follow them. At it's Patrick Davis, and you can get there, and we'll hopefully we'll come see you. I'll be out there having a good old time on Sunday, so maybe we'll see. You and we'll be talking to Eddie Hernandez, who's going to be throwing the jam there a little bit later in the show. Let's get to the Specs text line though five one two three three seven three seven seven six. We will see. Uh, there is Chuck Daly, some Chuck Daly for the uh, Big Fat Poll of the day today. If you want to chime in, who is the greatest coach in NBA history? I've told you who I've got as my Mount Rushmore is Greg Popovich, Red Auerbach, Phil Jackson, and Pat Riley. So if you say, and I get Chuck Daly's close there, and and for me too, it really is Pat Riley's on the end. Some of you guys don't like Phil Jackson as much. We'll get to that, but but Pat Riley for me as a coach was really good. But he, I I think he gets added into the Mount Rushmore somewhat because of executive work because you add that in as well. But I, I'm putting him on there still. I still have him on there. And we have Phil is fourth. He never had to build a team. He inherited Jordan and Kobe and Shaq. Which I agree. I agree. There's something to be said about. His history that he played, he coached Kobe Bryant, he coached Michael Jordan, he coached Shaq, he got Scottie Pippen. I think the Phil Jackson thing of what one of his best abilities was was to get players with massive egos and people that didn't necessarily even like each other to go in rings together on multiple occasions. He couldn't always pull it off, but he pulled it off several, but a couple times, and he brought the best out of some of the best players in the world. So uh, he gets it, and I get it's situational, but it is what it is. Zay says, uh, Zay says Red is the greatest. Yeah, no, I look, Zay, Zay's not old enough to, Zay doesn't remember most of Popovich. He doesn't remember Pat. Come on, Zay. I love you. I, you know, I could believe that he did well watch film. And if, if CC told him Red's the best, then I got to listen to CC. So Red, Red is definitely on that list. I'm still going to take Popovich. But I, yeah, I get you, Zay. If you say it's Red. Uh, how many titles would Larry Brown won with MJ, Kobe, or Magic? I don't know because Larry Brown, some of his magic was that he didn't necessarily work with players with huge egos. He worked with players that he could be the underdog, and that's what he did in Detroit and got them picked up. But, yeah, he wasn't – I don't know if Larry Brown was the coach of massive ego guys. It seemed like those teams kind of fell apart, and we know the whole thing with Allen Iverson and that relationship and how crazy it was. I don't know if he does. He might. He might, you know, Michael Jordan, I think anybody, like a lot of guys, not anybody, clearly, but a lot of guys could have won a title with that Bulls team with Michael and Scotty, just because Michael was so good and so driven. Uh, we, yeah, Larry Brown, no. Are we saying Larry Brown? We do not have Larry Brown on your list. I don't have him on my list. I like Larry Brown a lot. Without Larry Brown, there is no pop. We'll get into that in just a minute uh, when I tell, when I give my, my soliloquy on Coach Pop and, and play some great stories about him. We talk about him going to the Hall of Fame tomorrow. Uh, let's see what else we got on here. They're not going to have Deuce in on pass protection plays. Then who are they going is, to is, is Tony Pollard going to play 90% of the snaps and, and Tony Pollard and Deuce Vaughn only comes in when it's, it's his run play or he's going to come out to catch a pass? Because they don't have another guy. Like, I get we can say Malik Davis and Rico Dottle, but if they're just coming in for pass protection – then every time they come in the game, you might as well back back up. 
because you you don't you're not trusting them to really run the ball. And you go, hey man, we can stop them. We don't really fear them. And maybe they'll come out and one of them will show off that they've improved a lot in the offseason. But I don't know if you can just stick guys out there that are just for pass pro, whether it's Malik Davis or Rico Doddle, and expect de- good defenses when you get to the playoffs not to see that. And we know Tony Pollard hasn't been a great pass protector either. And to stick a guy who got gassed in multiple games last year with Zeke Elliott still on the team and make him play pass pro for half of the game when you're trying to go downfield. And we know that 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 Mike McCarthy has said he's going to run the ball a lot more. He doesn't have the running backs to do it right now, so I don't know how much he's going to do that. I think that may mean more quick passes and more short game. But I, I don't I like I don't think you should have Deuce in on pass protection either. I think Deuce should be limited to a select amount of plays. I just don't know how you do that with this Cowboys team the way it's set up right now because he's clearly the second best player on the in the running back room right now. So if he's better than Malik Davis or Rico Dottle, and he so you want to put him on the field and you don't know if you trust those guys to run the ball consistently, then you had to put Deuce Vaughn out there, which means he has to do his pass protection. And Mike McCarthy said he does do pass protection well. I don't know how he's doing that. I would hate to see a drill with him and, and Micah Parsons. It doesn't seem fair. Uh, ATX Jags fan does give a CJ Beathard will be playing for the Jaguars, and we don't we know that Trevor Lawrence is probably not going to play. Yeah, I don't see why he would play. Uh, he's got that job locked up. Uh, yeah, handling the 80s, 90s, prima donna, cocaine-fueled personalities of the era, Phil rocked that, so did Pat. Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, I won't say uh, other uh, activities going on, but we can say that there was a lot going on uh, where the egos were pretty high. And Chuck Daly, too. Chuck Daly, he did a style of basketball that I, like, to – to basically rally up a gang at points to beat the crap out of other teams and give him credit and then go coach the dream team. And, and none of those guys seem to hold it against him. So, I mean, he gets mad respect for Chuck Daly. So I, I he's there. He's an honorable mention. I'll put him on there. Uh, maybe we'll get some votes when we put this up on our social media after today. Uh, you can join the conversation. We're going to get back and talk about Greg Popovich, though. Join the conversation, 512-337-3776. It's how you join the conversation right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn.